Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi everyone, and welcome to Confessions of a Debut Novelist, with me, your host, Chloe Timms. This week, I'm talking to Becca Day about her psychological suspense novel, The Girl Beyond the Gate. Becca lives in the middle of the woods in Surrey with her husband, daughter and cocker spaniel. She started her own murder mystery theatre troupe after studying acting, and this inspired her love of crime writing. Aside from writing, Becca also runs online reading parties, and I'll link the website in the show notes. In this episode, we discussed how true crime documentaries give her ideas for her writing, how she uses personality tests to develop her characters, and finding opportunities on Twitter. But first, here's Becca with an excerpt from The Girl Beyond the Gate. Prologue. Unlike my neighbours, I'm not interested in catching a glimpse of the dead body in the community centre. My stomach is twisting itself into knots, and the last thing I want to see right now is a black sheet-covered gurney being wheeled out. Part of me doesn't even want to look out my bedroom window. I just want to hide away and pretend none of this is happening. But I need to get an idea of what's going on, and just how much I ought to worry. From my view, I can just about see the residents crowding behind the yellow tape, while the flashing lights of the police cars and ambulances illuminate their faces. Marissa Diaz's arms gesticulate wildly above her head. I can just imagine what she's saying. Marissa tends to drift into her native Spanish when she becomes passionate about something, and if anything is going to bring out the passion of the women in Kensington Grove, it's a murder. For a community that never experiences any excitement beyond the annual duck race, two unexpected deaths in less than a month is to the local gossip machine like mother's milk to a baby. First the suicide or at least what they said was a suicide, and now this. The residents are, of course, expressing the appropriate amount of concern. Some are even wiping tragic tears from their cheeks. But everyone knows the main reason they're standing out in their slippers and dressing gowns on this frosty November morning is to find out all the juicy details, perhaps even sneak a peek. Hi, Becca. Welcome to the podcast. I'm really pleased to have you with me today to discuss your new novel, The Girl Beyond the Gate. Hi Chloe, thank you so much for having me on. So I want to start off by letting you introduce the novel and tell us what it's all about. Yeah, so The Girl Beyond the Gate is about a gated community called Kensington Grove and a woman called Jodie who moves into the gated community and she meets her neighbours, Nora and her daughter Lacey, 
and she starts to worry that things are not all right in the next door neighbor house and so she starts doing some investigating and then a murder happens within the gated community and she's got to try and figure out what's going on. So the gated community is a great location for this kind of uh, claustrophobic atmosphere really so was that the thing that inspired the novel or can you remember what was your driving force for the inspiration yeah it was kind of two separate things the the sort of over overarching plot came from watching true crime documentaries and just kind of picking up on different things that had happened I find that uh, true life is much stranger than fiction so uh, finding out all of the crazy things that have gone on in in the real world kind of sparked some of the ideas there and then the gated community came to me separately and I just sort of thought these two ideas work so well together a gated community is just the perfect place for somewhere where a murder takes place because then you've got your list of suspects right there and um, yeah, it just it sort of all grew from there. So I read that you have been into crime in a massive way from a young age. And yeah, I was wondering, obviously you mentioned you're interested in true crime. Where did your love of the psychological suspense genre come from? Was it from reading or do you think it came from somewhere else? Well, I originally was pursuing acting. So I went to college for acting. And while I was there, I did a lot of sort of murder mystery type plays. And I started a murder mystery theatre troupe uh, with my mum. And we ran that for a few years. And so I've always been interested in that kind of thing. And then I started writing my own scripts for the murder mysteries. And it just kind of developed from there. And I've always written stories as well. And so it just felt like the natural next step to go from writing murder mystery scripts to writing murder mystery stories. Uh, so yeah, it just came from there. So is it kind of, do you enjoy exploring that kind of like dark side of human nature? What is it about the, because I guess your book's different from say like a, a crime kind of mystery novel you've got that deeper level where you're looking at characters and what is it is it the character side that appeals to you yeah yeah definitely I I do enjoy sort of cozy mysteries as well but the reason that I lean more towards sort of psychological suspense is because it tends to focus more on the actual characters and and the darker side of of character development and I'm a huge fan of morally gray characters so coming up with these people and then thinking of all the different layers of the character and you know not everyone is good not everyone is bad mm. there's always different sort of light and dark within each person and just kind of exploring that in each of my characters is something that I really enjoy doing and like looking at the psychological aspect so mm. yeah that's that's why I've sort of gone towards that genre more. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of shady characters in this novel and, and people that are hide people that are hiding things all the way along. Um, and I'm, we're going to do our best to kind of tiptoe around all these secrets in this chat. Um, I was wondering whether those kind of secrets, that character development where you're thinking, right, this person needs to be hiding this, um, this secret needs to be hidden. Were they something that you had in your head straight away when you were writing or whether was there something I guess it's the, the dropping the little hints and clues um because thinking about um your two main characters you've got Jodie who's the newcomer you've got Nora who's the neighbor Jodie is I guess 
how we see the story through her eyes because she's the newcomer but she's hiding stuff as well and I was wondering whether I was wondering whether you had to kind of go back and put hints into their secrets or did you did you hint too much and have to go back and take stuff out what was your process there uh, it was a little bit of both, actually. I, I went really type A with the plotting. So right in the beginning, before I started drafting, I had this huge colour-coded spreadsheet where I figured out all the secrets that everyone had and where I would drop the hints in. And, and I was very, very organised with it. That plan massively changed during the drafting process. And then it did mean that when I finished the first draft, I sort of had to go back and pepper things in because it had just changed over over the process as I got to know the characters more I figured out certain things would work for that character better um so yeah I did have to go back in editing and sort of pepper things along so it was, it was a bit of a fluid process process really it was you know starting off with the plotting and then figuring it out as I went along mm. as well um but yeah it 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 was I did try and make sure that I planned it out because I think that that's easier when you come when you're doing thrillers and psychological suspense and you've got all of those twists and turns that you want to include it just makes it easier if you've got an idea of where that where those things are going to be revealed beforehand mm. yeah I was going to ask you about your planning you've already you've already confessed you're a bit of a um a spreadsheet nerd then you've got all the, your color codes um so what is your process in planning um do you I guess you know the secrets, but that's something that's changed. So how much did you let yourself stray off your planning path or were you quite quite strict about it? I knew exactly how it was going to start and I knew how it was going to end. So those things I was strict with, but I actually massively changed the middle because I had originally planned the story out to just be from Jodie's point of view. And then as I got to about 40% of the way through, I decided that I wanted to include Nora's point of view as well and do this sort of multi-POV flipping between the two voices. And because of that, it meant I had to basically start again. Uh, So the the actual finished product ended up vastly different from the initial plan. Uh, But it it did mostly stay how I wanted it to like I I knew where I wanted to end up and I think that's the main thing as long as you know where you're sort of headed then Mm. you can kind of discovery write the rest of it uh but yeah it 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 definitely did change quite a lot from the initial plan so what was it in your in your mind then that clicked into place where you thought no I need I need Nora's perspective here what was it that made you think it needed that other side to the story it was just as I was writing Nora's scenes and I was doing it from Jodie's point of view and I just didn't feel like you could understand the character enough mm. and I because she's she's a very very complex character and there's a lot yeah. going on in her life and I felt like you needed to hear it from her point of view rather than from this outside perspective mm. and uh, the other thing is I really enjoy the sort of as a reader you're not sure which point of view to believe and I Mm. kind of wanted to go down that road of sometimes you feel this allegiance to Jodie because she's kind of like the the eyes that you're seeing the story through but then sometimes you're also feeling sorry for Nora and sort of hearing how she thinks about things so yeah there's sort of not sure which point of view you're actually supposed to be trusting and and believing 
uh, I really enjoyed that. So uh, that was another thing I wanted to include in the story. Mm. And Nora is a very protective mother character. Um, at times, perhaps when you're seeing it more from Jodie's perspective, you think, oh, she's a bit, she's a bit too intense. Um, yeah. But like you say, I think to, to hear things from her perspective, you start to see Jodie as like a bit interfering, a bit intense in her own way. So I definitely think yeah. that the two perspectives helps kind of balancing that. Yeah, I think if it had just been from Jodie's point of view, we would have ended up where everyone just instantly hated Nora and then mm. felt really strongly that Jodie was in the right. But I, as I said, I like morally grey characters and in my opinion, no one is in the right in this story. Mm. And so bringing in Nora's, Nora's point of view really helped get that message across, I think. Yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about the structure of your novel because you start with a prologue and then we rewind to go. So the prologue, prologue introduces that there's been a murder um, and a, a body is removed from the scene of the crime. And then we rewind just over 100 days to before the murder. Um, so I was wondering how you... You said you had the beginning planned in your mind, but how did you decide on the structure? Because I personally, I love a prologue. My novel's got a prologue as well, but I know they can be a little bit divisive. Some some editors, some readers maybe aren't so sure about prologues. So what made you go for this structure? Yeah, it's interesting because because I heard that too. I heard the advice that you should never include a prologue. Mm. Prologues are dead, you know. You, <laughs> They're not dead. (laughs) (laughs) But I heard that all the time. And I'd written that scene first before I'd even plotted out the novel. It was just a scene that I had stuck in my head. So I wrote that out first. And I spoke to a load of different people. So I had a wonderful mentor, Lauren North. And then I also was chatting to Alexa Don, who's got a YouTube channel. Mm, Yeah, I've watched quite a few of her videos, actually. Yeah, and I spoke to both of those and and sort of showed them that chapter and they both said this is a prologue and what Mm. you want to do is start with this chapter and then go back. And I remember saying to them, I didn't think you were supposed to do prologues anymore. (laughs) Um, But honestly, it's it's absolutely fine. And I really enjoy a good prologue. And I think it works Mm. well in the story because it opens the story with quite an action packed scene. It sort of grabs the attention and it's, you know, something interesting to read straight away. Mm. And then you're sort of, I really enjoyed the flashing back and then leading up to that murder, because especially with the way I did sort of a countdown, it kind of helped to build that suspense because mm. you know what's coming. And I've actually done exactly the same thing in my second book. I've written a prologue and then flashed back a few days, not not quite to 100 days, but I've done the same sort of structure. And I just I think it works really well. And mm. everyone I've spoken to says that they've enjoyed it. So I, I, I think the whole don't do a prologue advice is bad advice. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'd agree. And I think it works really well in your novel because as a reader, when I was reading it in my head, I kept kind of thinking back to it and thinking, right, I and I, I've said before, I'm absolutely terrible at guessing any sort of like twist or any whoever the murderer is or the victim. I'm terrible at guessing that. So you'll always be able to be able to trick me. But I would kept thinking well, all the time I was reading it right now, who was who was the victim? Who was who was the point of, you know, who was the I in that chapter? So I think it's a really good way of building that intrigue from the off. Yeah. And I'm I'm completely with you. I love a prologue. And I and I will we'll talk about how you got your agent a bit later, but I don't know. Maybe it's seen as a bit of a cheat. I don't know, but 
I think prologues are a great, great way of grabbing a reader's attention, grabbing yeah. an agent's attention, because perhaps if your novel starts a bit slower, if you're building atmosphere or, or introducing characters, that prologue is a kind of like bam moment of excitement or intrigue. And I think particularly for, for your genre of writing, I think it works really well. Yeah, exactly. Like if I had started with chapter one, it would have been Jodie pulling up at the Grove and moving into her house mm. for the first time. And while I think that works great for chapter one, because it's introducing the characters and the setting and things like that, I think it would have just been a bit slow to actually yeah. start with that. So yeah, I think it works better. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally team prologue, prologue with you as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I... I wanted to ask a little bit more about how you developed your characters. We've talked about kind of how their secrets and all their, all the things they're hiding were, were something you really worked on and, and, and changed over time. But I'm interested in how your character development goes. Are you very much similar to your plotting? Are you someone that makes extensive notes about who these characters are before you start writing or do they come out as you write? Uh, actually I'm the opposite when it comes to my characters I like to sort of discover them as I write because I feel like no matter how much plotting and planning it, you do you can't really know a character until you've started writing them and you've started mm. sort of doing their dialogue and things like that so I'll do a little bit of work beforehand I don't really I don't really care too much what characters look like so I don't focus on that I tend to just grab like a celebrity picture just so that I can make sure that I don't say they're blonde in one chapter and then another. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't really care about anything like that. I, I do, um, I look at the Enneagram system, which is basically lots of different personality types. And the reason I enjoy those is because once you've figured out which Enneagram your character is, it then says, you know, what they want out of life, what they're scared of, what they, what would make them really comfortable, what would make them uncomfortable, what you know perfect partner would look like uh, so it's really helpful for developing your character so I'll do that and I'll figure out what secrets they've got because every character I write has secrets <laughs> um, and yeah just sort of general notes about the the different layers of their character and sort of how they present themselves to the world and then what they've got going on inside and then once I've got those basic notes it's just a case of starting writing and then seeing who they become as I write mm. and it does mean that I then have to go back to the beginning and those earlier chapters tend to need quite a lot of editing whereas the later chapters I, I've worked out who they are by that point so they don't need quite as much um, but yeah it's a, it's a discovery process. Mm. I guess you're kind of feeling your way into them as you write rather than like you say, you can do all the planning in the world, but then when you come to write it, things change. And like you say, your the secrets you decided they were going to have maybe don't fit when you're halfway through the book and you're like, mm, not so sure anymore. Definitely. It's, it's a really gradual process when it comes to the characters for me. Um, the plot I can figure out beforehand, but the characters I definitely need to sort of feel my way through. Mm. So we've talked, you said earlier that you had already got the, beginning and the end in mind when you started writing but and I'm not going to give anything away the very final twist of the story I'm interested to know whether that was something you always knew was going to happen whether you played with kind of like alternative endings or twists or did you stick to it the whole way through yeah I had two options for the ending and the first option was what I originally started with and it was 
if you've read it, you'll know what I mean by this, but it was the more obvious ending. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And that's what I had started with. And then as I was working through it, I guess I got to about halfway through and I just thought I'd, if I was a reader, I'd have worked this out by now. Mm -hmm. And so I stepped away from it and thought, how can I sort of twist this a little bit? And I wanted to make sure that it was a twist that was plausible. Like I didn't want it to just come out of nowhere. So I wanted to make sure that if you then reread the story, you could kind of pick up on it and realize that actually, yes, it is weaved through there. But I did want it to be one that sort of surprised people and shocked people. And I think I did manage that. Like there's been quite mixed reviews on the ending. Uh, but generally it's either, oh, wow, this is the best ending in the world. I never saw this coming or it's, uh, oh, I didn't like that ending. So, <laughs> But I'd much prefer to have that really strong reaction yeah. to an ending than just for someone to finish it and go, nah, it was okay. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's been it's been really nice seeing all the reviews coming in and saying about like, oh my God, that ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I wasn't expecting that ending either. And I enjoyed, I like a, I like a sort of surprise at the end. And like you say, I like a surprise when it fits. I don't like a an ending where the twist comes out of nowhere and you're like, what? <laughs> Yeah, like I say, if, if you sort of read it again, not that I'd expect anyone to read the mm. book again, but if, if you did read it again, you'd, knowing the ending, you'd kind of pick up on all those little bits that I sort of hinted at throughout. So uh, hopefully it's a satisfying twist. <laughs> so you're, well, you're a big planner, we've established, and I think that really pays off because your novel's really well paced. And I guess for for a, a psychological psychological suspense novel, it has to be, kind of pretty pacey pretty page turnery I know you've written kind of short fiction before so was planning something like this did you feel like you had to really be thorough in your planning or are you always a planner did you plan kind of your shorter fiction as well yeah I've I've always been a little bit OCD when it comes to planning out my stories just because I I find it easier to have a plan So rather than just sitting down and thinking I'm going to write, but I've got absolutely no idea what I'm going to write, I like to have sort of bullet points to go by and it just it helps me to not get stuck and not get writer's block. Um, So I have always like even my short stories, I, I planned out quite a lot. But when it comes to pacing, I find that that's a little bit more fluid because I I might say that this this and this happens in one chapter but then as I'm writing if I think oh actually this is a really good point to finish a chapter because Mm. it's a little bit of a cliffhanger or it's going to make people want to flip over to the next chapter and keep reading rather than putting it down then I might tweak the plan a little bit and and just sort of see how it goes as I'm writing it so it is it's a little bit of both I guess. Mm. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. 
Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Are you, do you have a particular method for your planning? Are you like a a save the cat fan or anything like that yeah there's two books that I reference quite a lot one of them is save the cat um but I also find that that doesn't work brilliantly for multi-pov novels like it tends to be just sort of the straightforward hero's journey type Mm. thing so it's not always the best reference for me I do use it and I do go through all the beats and make sure I've sort of got them in there but the other one I use is um, Mastering Suspense, Structure and Plot by Jane K. Cleland. And this is really, really fantastic for specifically psychological suspense or thriller writers. Um, it's just it, it's got loads of good tips on making sure everything's pacey. And I think it does actually go into multi POV novels as well. So I find that one really helpful. Mm, that is really useful, I think. It can be a bit daunting, particularly if you're starting to write something, because there are so many books out there. And I think, I mean, I'm, I I love reading all the craft books all the time, although I do have to remind myself that I actually do need to write at the same time as well, not just read the craft books. But yeah, it can be a bit overwhelming. So um, thank you for that um, recommendation. I'll add it to the show notes for anyone that's looking for, particularly if they're writing suspense. I think that would be a really useful um, book to read. So you've started an absolutely brilliant YouTube channel. I'm I'm subscribed and I would recommend everyone go and subscribe right now. Um, I've also linked that in the in the show notes. So on there, you've got writing tips, a story about how you've got your agent, and you've even got uh, kind of your dream movie cast of your current novel. So I was wondering what made you decide to start making these videos and, and launch your own YouTube channel? Uh, so I, it's kind of because of my day job, (laughs) my day job, I work for a company who has a YouTube channel and I've kind of always been involved in the production of the videos and the editing and stuff. So I'm, I'm very much part of that world anyway. And I had watched a load of YouTubers who were really inspirational to me, Alexa Don being one of them. And so it just kind of felt natural to me, like as someone who's been part of that world already to then start sort of documenting my journey. And I thought, how great would it be in 10 years time to be able to look back and see videos from when I was releasing my very first novel. So it was kind of a personal thing. I wanted to document Mm. it, but I also really enjoy helping others. And because 
I had my mentor, Lauren North, and she helped so much. I wanted to be able to help others in the same way that she helped me. So hopefully people who are sort of aspiring writers looking to get agented, all of that kind of thing can come along to my YouTube channel and, and you know, find a little bit of advice and a little bit of support mm-hmm. there. Yeah, they're, they're, they're really good. And I would say they're a great introduction to the process, like you say, and I think it it is complicated. It, it can be completely overwhelming. And I've noticed as well, there's a lot of focus, particularly on YouTube, and maybe I just haven't um, looked enough, but a lot of American YouTubers. So it's nice to have the kind of UK perspective as well, if, if people are looking to um, get an agent in the UK. So I think that that would be really helpful to people. So speaking of agents how did you get your agent and can you talk us through kind of your journey from getting an agent to then getting a book deal yeah so I I followed actually Alexa Don (laughs) I followed her method for um querying agents which is basically querying fast responders first I I'll send you the link and you can put it in the show notes to her video because she explains it right okay um, but yeah, it's basically agents who are well known for responding really quickly. You query them first and kind of test the waters with your query. And then you go on to the people who you're sort of really eager to work with. So that's the method that I followed. And actually, Emily, who is my agent, she was the very top of my list. So I was really lucky to get my sort of quote unquote dream agent. Mm. Um, but the main thing with the whole querying process is I found workshopping the query to be so so important so I, I was really lucky I met loads of lovely authors who helped me out um so like Will Dean and Nikki Smith they all sort of looked at my query and and gave me advice on it and so it meant that I ended up with a really strong query that got quite a high request rate so that's definitely something I would say if you're if you're looking to query a novel is workshop it so how did you how did you go about workshopping it? How did you approach these people? Was there, I don't know, a particular scheme that you applied for? How how did that work? Um, following them on Twitter because they they posted about it. So Will right. Dean does it quite often. He'll do it sort of three or four times a year. He'll say, if you want to, if you want advice on your query, DM me. So uh, following these people on Twitter is is really, really helpful. And, and Nikki Smith, it was a almost like a pitch competition. So she said, pitch me your book. And then I'll pick my favorite and and work on the query with you. Um, so yeah, it's just following your favorite authors and and keeping an eye out really because things like that happen all the time. And actually, I offer query critiques as well now. So if you, I mean, I'm relatively new to the business, but if you do want me to have a look at your query, you can do that on my YouTube channel as well. That's a really great offer. Thank you, Becca. So tell us how you went from getting your agent to then did you do lots of work with your agent on your manuscript then what happened next in terms of submissions um so she's a really really editorial agent which is one of the reasons she was right at the top of my list because I knew I wanted someone who would uh work on the manuscript with me and that was really important to me because I I know that I'm not perfect and I know that I need all the help I can get So, uh, yeah, we worked on it together for, I guess, a couple of months and then we went on submission and I was quite lucky. Submission was quite a quick process for me. Um, So, yeah, when I got the deal with Embla, who are the digital first imprint of Bonnier Books, 
uh, they then did all of the editing process with me again. And yeah, it's been great. I love having a team and, you know, all these amazing people who know what they're talking about, helping to make the book better. Well, you're now officially a published author. So I wondered whether you could share some of your highlights that you have had either since publication or kind of obviously early readers and stuff. So what what have been your highlights? So one of the highlights was definitely hearing the audiobook for the first time. It's it's available in ebook, audiobook and paperback. And they, my publishers actually asked me if I had any sort of people I had in mind for narrating the audiobook. And two of the narrators, so there's three narrators in total, two of them, Stephanie Racine and Imogen Wilde, I had heard narrate books before and they were just my favourite narrators. Like I've, I've listened to so many books where they've narrated and I just really wanted them to narrate. Like I always had their voices in my head as mm. for uh, Nora and Lacey. I just had their voices in my head. So actually hearing them, because they, they were chosen, hearing them narrate my book after hearing them narrate so many other amazing books was just insane it was so weird (laughs) it was amazing but it was really really bizarre and that's kind of where I thought this is actually really happening now I'm actually I'm actually having a book come out um so that was a a huge highlight for me hearing the audiobook and then yeah just since publication everyone's just been so lovely like I think that Twitter in general can be quite a scary place but the writing community is the nicest group of people I've ever met. And I've made so many lovely friends. So many people have been supportive. So many readers have reached out to me and, you know, tagged me on social media and said that they love mm. the book. And it's just the nicest thing ever. And it makes you feel so warm and good inside. <laughs> uh, so Yeah, just making making all the friends. That's been a huge highlight for me and connecting with readers. It's been amazing. Mm. That's great. And, and I'm, I'm sure you'll continue to get even more uh, reviews and, and make even more connections online. And, and that'll be that'll be great as well. So I was wondering, you've given such good advice already, but I was wondering if you could um, share with us your top three tips for people who are working on their first novel, either general tips or psychological suspense tips. So... If you're working on your first novel, I would say one of the things is to not get distracted by all the other stuff. It's really easy to focus on, you know, I I need to build a website and I need to grow my social media and and all of that kind of side stuff. But you need to write the book and you need to finish the book and you need to get it to a good standard. And that's the number one priority, because if you don't do that, there's no point in having a website. There's no point in building a social media presence. So that's kind of a lesson I had to learn is you can do all of these other things. You can create aesthetic boards on Pinterest and things like that, but none of it is actually getting the writing done. Yeah. So that's one thing I'd say is as much as it can be really good to do all of that stuff before you launch your book. So you've got a bit of a following, just focus on the writing. That's the, the main number one thing you need to be focusing on. And that's a lesson I have to learn as well. <laughs> um, so that's, that's the first one. The second one, if you're writing psychological suspense or thriller or anything like that, um, I'd say really think about your pacing because that's so important. 
is to sort of make a book that people feel like they can't put down or they they you know are racing through it so the the way that I always do that is think about every single chapter something exciting has to happen or something interesting has to happen and then think about the way you're ending your chapters so you don't always have to end it on a cliffhanger but end it in a way that people are going to then want answers they've they've got Mm. more questions in their head than when they started the chapter and they want to read on because they want to find out what the answers are Um, so that's specifically for psychological suspense and then I guess my third tip would be just to make connections because it's it's helped so much and I don't think that I would be published today if I hadn't made the connections that I've made like from you know having the mentorship with Lauren North and and working on my book with her from you know with launch and and meeting people like you to do the the podcast and you know meeting other authors who have then been kind enough to give me quotes on my book and you know just speaking to the debut 2022 group and knowing that I'm not alone when I'm having a bad Mm. day and having people who understand what I'm going through because writing is such a solitary thing and it's such a you know it's just you and your keyboard so you need to have these people who really get it and have been there and done it and understand what you're going through so that you can talk to them about the good times and also the bad times I think connections are so important yeah, absolutely. I think it's nice to have a, a sort of a group around you that you know will cheerlead you when you need it and also be a shoulder to cry on or be a reassurance when you need it as well. And like we said, it's such a publishing's quite a, a dense industry and complicated and there are so many ways to get a book deal or your book can go off in all sorts of different directions when it's published. And it's useful to have that group around you that have either experienced it or will just go... I understand. It's fine. You'll be okay. And it's just nice to have that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's it's so important. Like you can't do it on your own. Mm. So I was wondering now, thinking about readers, what books would you compare the girl behind, sorry, the girl beyond the gate to? Can you think of any titles that you think would make a kind of a good fit in terms of comparison? Uh, So when I was querying, I compared it to The Babysitter by Phoebe Morgan and Strangers by C.L. Taylor. And that's kind of the the tone of voice is very similar, I think. And then my agent pitched it as um, The Therapist by B.A. Paris and also uh, The something rose rose gold the recovery of recovery oh yeah of recovery gold. of rose gold yeah yeah so those are the, the two <laughs> books that she pitched it as um and then it's also been likened to desperate housewives a lot so if you, oh, <laughs> you I, like desperate i guess housewives. i guess the gated community thing makes sense yeah i can see it yeah I can see it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so finally are you able to share with us i know you're working on your second book now are you able to share with us a little hint a little teaser about uh the plot of that novel uh, so I won't say the title because that might change um but I can tell you a little bit about it so it's set on a farm and the main character stumbles upon a dead body and then for reasons to be revealed decides to clean up the crime scene and dispose of the dead body Yeah, that sounds very intriguing. Um, I look forward to hearing more about it in future. So thank you so much, Becca, for joining me on the podcast today. 
Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. That was Becca Day talking about her psychological suspense novel, The Girl Beyond the Gate, which is out now and available to buy. Before I go, let me just tell you about two events I've got coming up where I'm hosting this podcast, Confessions of a Debut Novelist, live. First, I'm going to be talking to three authors at the Being a Writer Festival, hosted by the Literary Consultancy on June the 28th. Then on July the 22nd, I'm going to be talking to Louise Morrish about her historical novel at Jericho Writers Summer Festival. Both of these events are virtual, so you can join anywhere in the world and even ask questions. And if you're interested in hearing me talk in person about my novel, The Sea Women, I'll be at the Margate Bookie on Thursday the 2nd of June. Tickets for all these events are available to buy and I'll put all the details in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening and if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you've subscribed already, it'd be great if you could leave me a review. See you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.